1: Amen. Our text is taken from Luke chapter nineteen, verses one to ten. Uh, one of my favorite stories in the Bible because it speaks volumes uh, to the grace of God that offers us forgiveness when we repent. So it's about repentance and forgiveness this morning and you're probably asking yourself why another sermon on repentance and forgiveness? This is a subject that we can never talk enough about. The subject of repentance and forgiveness is at the heart of our relationship with God and with one another and with ourselves. No other subject has more impact in our innermost being. No other subject has a more profound effect in the quality of our lives than the understanding of what it means to repent and be forgiven. What it means to accept someone's repentance and offer forgiveness to someone. Repentance and forgiveness are inseparable. There can be no real forgiveness if there's no true repentance The journey from repentance to forgiveness can be a long and sometimes painful process because nothing confronts the very core of our being. Nothing profoundly impacts our most important relationships than the area of repentance and forgiveness as we receive the offenses. Or the moment we offended someone. Many of the problems we see in the world today can be traced in a lack of repentance and forgiveness. That's just a fact. Repentance and forgiveness is the only way we can achieve total peace with God, with others. And with ourselves. So it helps to understand our journey towards repentance and forgiveness. The Bible declares two fundamental truths about repentance and forgiveness. Number one, they are both a calling and a command. God calls all of us to repent, and He also commands repentance. God calls all of us to forgive, and he also commands all of us to forgive. There's really not a whole lot of options when it comes to these two things. Secondly, they are both granted by God. God grants repentance, and he grants forgiveness. Yes, even the desire to repent is granted by God, granted by the Holy Spirit, and we need to participate in that granting. We need to use our faith to be able to be granted that repentance. We need to be able to willfully come before God and repent in order to receive forgiveness. Uh, it's funny, but, but my wife teases me all the time, you know, before I go to, uh, to preach, especially when she's upset with me. She calls me pastor when she's upset. So she will say, pastor, listen very carefully to your sermon so that God may grant you repentance and that you may be forgiven and perhaps you might be saved. (laughs) And she would do this lovingly and jokingly and teasingly, but she's really upset. So one time I had to make a comeback. So I said to her, okay, I will do what you say. Only remember this. When the rapture takes place, make sure you donate all my clothes to Goodwill. (laughs) Some of you didn't get that, but it's really funny if you think about it. Perhaps today you're saying to yourself, I have no need of repentance or forgiveness. That's the sign that you need it. Repentance and forgiveness only happens when the Holy Spirit begins a work in our heart, begins to work within us. When we respond in humility, then we will be granted repentance and forgiveness. And that's what we'll find in the story of a little man named Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. Verses 1 to 10. Let me just read the whole passage this morning. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be a guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody uh, out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save, which was lost. From this story, we discover four principles in our journey from repentance of repentance and forgiveness. Number one, as I mentioned earlier, our journey from repentance to forgiveness commences with a call. It begins with a call. Repentance and forgiveness begins when we hear the call of God in our life to repent and receive forgiveness. We see the Holy Spirit has already been working in the heart of Zacchaeus. How do we know that? Because we see in the text, in the first five verses, that Zacchaeus was seeking Jesus out. He had heard of Jesus. He had heard Jesus' words. And he wanted to meet him personally. He had listened to what Jesus had to say. He had heard about Jesus. And now he actually wanted to see him. He had to do whatever he had to do to be able to meet the man whose words, whose call he has heard. And look at verse 5. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down and at once welcomed him gladly. That's, that wasn't an accident. The Holy Spirit has been working in Zacchaeus' heart for some time. And we discovered that when he finally met Jesus, he received that call with gladness. That right there is the call to repentance and forgiveness. It begins with hearing the call. The Bible says, faith comes from hearing the word of Christ. Jesus would often say to people as he proclaimed the message of the kingdom of God, those who have ears to hear let them hear what I have to say. Let him hear the truth of God's word. Now here's the teaching that Jesus was trying to convey about faith. And that is God opens our eyes through our ears. God opens our eyes through our ears. How many times have I, have I heard my mother when I was growing up uh, ask me to give her the broom, so she can sweep the floor. And the moment she would ask me, I would immediately start looking all over the place. I look in the closet, I look under the tables, I look everywhere and everywhere. But until she says to me, it's right in front of you, did I see the broom? And she would always say to me, if that was a snake, it would have beaten you dead. Right there and then. What's the point? The point is until we really hear what was being said, we will not see. And that's true for all of us. You know, uh, how many people do we know? I mean, they're, they're in a lot of mess. They're in a lot of trouble. Their lives are in disarray. God is not far from anybody. In fact, the Bible says God is close to us. You know, He's a breath away. And yet, every time there's an issue that we're dealing with, we have a a problem in our lives, what do we do? We look everywhere. We look so far away. Where's the answer? Where's the answer? We look everywhere else. And God is saying, I'm right here, right in front of you. Listen to what I have to say. Our lives are derailed from moving forward because we ignore what God's Word already says. It's pointing us to the direction of life. I want you to know that. Everything that you read in scriptures, everything that Jesus said is designed to advance us on the road to eternal life. Everything. You'll never find anything that Jesus says that will lead us in a direction that It's going to get us into trouble. He points us to the direction of life. And repentance and forgiveness commences with hearing that call. God calls us to repent. What is repentance? Again, let me say this. A lot of people are afraid of that word. Because, you know, it, it connotes the fact that, you know, we're despicable sinners. And maybe we are. Maybe we're not. But the call to repentance is a calling to choose God's way, to make a U-turn in the journey that we're in, in order to be able to focus our lives, our eyes, our vision on where God wants us to go. That's what repentance is, a change of mind, a change of direction. I always use this illustration. You know, when you're driving from Sunnyvale to Salinas, if you've been driving for four and a half hours, you have missed the exit. And what do you do? What do you do when you miss the exit? Do you say to yourself, well, you know, I've been driving for four hours. And Salinas is way back there, about three hours away. Well, I'm in it already. Let me just continue driving until I get to Tijuana. And not what we do. That's what we do. No, what do we do? We step on the brake. And we say, you know what? I've been traveling this road long enough. I missed the exit way back there. I'm going to stop. I'm going to make a U-turn. And I'm gonna make the right exit. That's what we do. That happens when God gives us His Word. We need to heed. What God says. Now, secondly, the journey from repentance to forgiveness not only commences with a call, but it's compelled by conviction. You know, in my preaching, you will hear this word all the time because it's, it's part and parcel of being a Christian, having a Christian worldview, having a set of convictions that, that glorifies God. That's what Christianity is all about. So this, this journey from repentance to forgiveness is compelled by conviction. Once we hear the call to repent and receive forgiveness, conviction of conscience will begin to set in. Look at verses 7 to 8. All the people saw this. They saw Jesus calling Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus coming down from the tree and receiving Jesus gladly. All the people who saw this began to mutter. They began complaining. He has gone to be a guest of a sinner, they said. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to Jesus, Lord, look, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Where did those words come from? Jesus wasn't judging him. Jesus simply said, Zacchaeus, come down. I must go to your house. Where did this tax collector business came in? I mean, who, who who prompted him to say these things? Jesus wasn't condemning him. Jesus didn't say, you despicable tax collector who cheated the people, come down. I want to talk to you. No, Jesus didn't say that. In fact, Jesus says, come down. I must go to your house. I'm excited to see you. That's the call of the Lord. It's an exciting call. You know, he wasn't judging Zacchaeus. He wasn't saying anything bad. Where did that come from? It came from the conviction that sets in once we hear the word of God. That's where it comes from. Zacchaeus come down, looked at Jesus and says, Look, Jesus, whatever I had done, whatever it is that I have done, I'm willing to pay restitutions. I want you to know I'm serious about hearing your word. I heard you. And I'm doing this because I really, truly heard your call. And that's when repentance really being clarified in the heart of Zacchaeus. He's being clarified. when He's moving closer and closer to the grace of God at that point, right? Because he had that conviction. Without being convicted, there can be no real repentance. And if there's no real repentance, there could be no real forgiveness that can take place in our life. That's true with our relationship with God and that's true with our relationship with each other. In fact, it's one of the conditions that God has placed on us in order to have to pray, for us to pray effectively. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty five, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you Your sins. Listen, loved ones, I'm guilty of it and so probably are you. I hope you're not, but I know I'm guilty of this. This is a verse that we know is true deep inside our hearts. If you're a Christian, you know that this saying by Jesus, to forgive if anyone uh, has anything against you, uh, uh, to forgive them, we know it's true. We know it's a commandment, but it's probably one of those commandments that we just completely ignore. Because it's easy to ignore. Let me be honest with you. This is a tough one for me, and I think this is a tough one for everybody else. We need more grace to be able to live up. To this commandment by Jesus. And don't worry. There's abundant grace available. We just need to be humble and willing to receive that grace. But this is a tough one. I'll be honest. This is a tough one. But you know what, if we don't follow it, we're going to go through life carrying that baggage and we wonder, why aren't my prayers getting answered? Why is God not giving me a clear direction in my life? Why am I stumbling and fumbling and falling all over the place? Why am I offending people? I don't mean to, but why am I doing this? Why do I respond this way? You know, you can trace that and root that with unforgiveness. And I think we've heard sermons after sermons about that. But it's really true. That's one of Satan's most deadly weapons. To keep us holding on to those grudges. To keep us entertaining the baggage of unforgiveness. It's true, we know, deep within. But it's a tough one. Here's another one. And here's... An even tougher one. This one, Jesus directed to Peter, but it also applies to us, okay? This is found in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 22. Listen to this exchange between Jesus and Peter. You know this verse already, but let me just read it because it's it's really uh, very insightful when it comes to this repentance and forgiveness issue. Verse 21, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord... How many times shall I forgive my brother or sister sister who sins against me up to 7 times now oh, he gave the number i love peter he's asking a question but he's setting the condition you know how many times should i forgive my brother or my sister up to 7 times jesus answered i tell you Not seven times, but 77 times. We know, we all know what Jesus was saying. Jesus is saying, I'm not putting a number on how many times you're going to be forgiving people. Now, you and I might think that Peter asked this question. We might think that he just blurted out this question to justify his own unwillingness to forgive. But you and I have to put ourselves in Peter's shoes before we judge him. Why he asked this question. This is actually a very fair question. This is actually a very intelligent question. You know why? Because Peter knew the history of his people. He knew that throughout the history of his people, they had been enslaved and oppressed and marginalized by other nations. That's where this question is coming from. Make no mistake about it. He's been carrying this baggage on behalf of an entire people. He had been oppressed. He had been enslaved, the Jewish people, throughout the centuries, throughout the existence of that nation in history. They've been under slavery from the Egyptians, followed by the Assyrians, followed by the Babylonians, followed by the Persians. And then the Greeks came and now Peter is now under Roman rule. So that's six nations. Six nations who enslaved them and oppressed them. So when Jesus said, Forgive, Peter asked right away, Six times we've been oppressed by six different nations. How many times, Jesus, should I forgive? Should I forgive a seventh time? You have to understand. He was carrying a baggage. And Jesus says, Seventy-seven times that must have disappointed Peter, but there's something about this forgiveness that that, that 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 God Himself wanted us to understand. We need to capture the heart of God when it comes to this area of forgiveness. Peter had been understood. The, the, the pain that the whole nation, not just him, have experienced throughout the century. But the Spirit of God has a way of convicting us in our hearts to start letting go. May I say this, everybody? I know my wife says, don't, 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 don't deal with the current events that are happening so much. Just stick with the sermon. But I'm going to have to say this. You know the problems we're having right now in our nation? You can trace this to this. Has there really been any kind of true repentance and forgiveness that have happened? Has there really been? So this is not a political statement. You know me better than that. But we got to go to the root of the problem. Why do we still have these issues facing us today? Jesus is right. We're asking Peter's question, you know? And Jesus is answering us the right way. You have got to forgive. You have got to forgive. Otherwise it won't go away. The problem will not go away. We'll still have these same problems of disunity and violence and racism and... And, uh, it's social justice issues and all of these things. It'll perpetuate. It'll continue to happen because the human heart, Jesus says, is wicked and desperately evil. It wants to do the wrong thing. It is fallen. We need the grace of God to be able to forgive. We need the grace of God to be able to repent. That's what we're, that's the trajectory of the Christian faith. And it'll never stop. Until we hear what Jesus said to Peter. Peter asked, how many times should I forgive? Up to seven times. Jesus says, no number. You've got to forgive. Pastor, what if a person sins against me? How many times should I forgive that person? And then we'll say, well, just keep forgiving them and and all of that. Okay, fine. But what if they're dead? What if they're dead? How can I forgive someone who did not repent? Against me, see, that person sinned against me. What should I do? I, heard, I actually heard a pastor said this. He says, uh, do this. Put an empty chair in front of you and put that person that you need to forgive on that chair and start forgiving that person. It's a good idea, you know. Maybe we need to do that to be able to obey the call of Jesus. Maybe we need to do it. Maybe some of you this morning, you're going to need a whole auditorium of empty chairs. you got so many people that are no longer around that you need to forgive. Just make sure that when you set up those chairs, listen, loved ones, this is important, that they're socially distanced. It's funnier than you think. While you're being silly, what do you mean put an empty chair and put an invisible person there and forgive? How silly can you be? I'm not going to do that. That's silly. Listen to me very carefully. When you pray... Do you see Jesus physically? Do you? I don't think so. Because if you do see Jesus physically, we have a hospital for you. Fact of the matter is, we pray to God who is invisible. And boy, we can say wonderful words a beautiful words of praise to an invisible God. He's not invisible. We know him by the heart. But the point is, why couldn't we do that to someone? God looks at the heart and he knows whether we
0: truly forgive or forgave someone. You've been listening to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson, a ministry of Living Rock Christian Church in Sunnyvale, California. If you have been helped by this radio program and would like to keep it on the air, your continued prayerful and financial support is greatly appreciated. Please visit livingontherockradio.com where all your tax-deductible gifts will go directly to the radio ministry. That's livingontherockradio.com. Living Rock is a church that doesn't care how you are dressed or what candidate you voted for. A church made up of imperfect people from all walks of life with a hunger and thirst to understand God's plan for our lives. No matter what you've been through or what questions you may have about God and faith, you will find love, grace, and hope at Living Rock Christian Church, 675 East Taylor Avenue in Sunnyvale with Sunday worship starting at 1030 a.m. More information at livingontherockradio.com.